0: Alright y'all, what is going on? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition on my series of the history of, of immigration in California. This is called the Golden State Issue. Of course, this is part four. Um, part three, we wrapped up everything with the end of the Mexican-American War. So pretty much we are uh, starting off everything with the Mexican gov- governorship uh, that came via the U.S. Army and uh, pretty much backed by the U.S. or you can call it at this time American Settlers basically immigrants so let's pick up here with the US cavalry being led by Stephen F Kearney who Kearney Street in San Francisco is named after and also reinforcements led by Commodore Robert F Stockton whom the city of Stockton is named after just to put you guys into the historical context of what's going on or what went on back then and how it's reflected today uh, they pretty much captured the rest of what you know of all the towns in in Southern California and they pretty much destroyed of ca- or destroyed or captured much much of the Navy excuse me Uh, US forces would also eventually uh, capture Mexico City on the whole so again that pretty much ended the war the US handled business and um, let's just wrap everything up here that is the end of the Mexican American war I did have two questions uh, though uh, you know to kind of uh, wrap everything up there with just the war now my first main question was was it right in my opinion, for the U.S. Uh, to even go to war uh, with Mexico. Now, um, I'm just going to say, in layman's terms, of course, I, I think the short answer would be no. Uh, I don't think the U.S. had any grounds to really provoke Mexico outside of what they claimed was manifest destiny, uh, which leads to my second question. What does manifest destiny, destiny mean to me? Uh, I think it's, well, it, it's... it. it it means exactly what it says. The U.S. wanted to conquer the rest of the, the western uh, seaboard, and that's what they intended to do. Uh, and there was nothing that was really going to step in, stand in their way. They were willing to buy the land from Mexico, but the Mexicans did not want to sell the land, so they decided uh, they were going to take uh, take things over into their own hands and and you know use force. Uh, do I feel it was right? No. Uh, with that being said, I've already said this in a previous episode, Uh the Mexicans by way of the Spanish had already uh, taken the land from native people. So again, it's a repeated cycle of... Of what is wrong And what you shouldn't do uh, Again, at this point in time The Mexicos and eventually the Californios Who were the uh, original uh, You could say the original Californians Or who were going on to become uh, Basically original part of the original Californians Were uh, ex- essentially Not necessarily treated as Second class citizens because again Their land grant system was still respected uh, But again, with the rising population Of white immigrants and white settlers Pushing their culture, pushing their numbers Again, you know When it led to a war, when it led to any conflict, uh, they were at a disadvantage, and and there you go. Um, Now, a military government uh, would be appointed by the army, and this would pretty much go on for at least uh, another five or so years, up until 1850, until it became a state, of course, with the state constitution. Uh, And it would pretty much ran with 600 soldiers, so they were pretty much outnumbered a lawless pretty much a lawless territory. Uh, The Treaty of Guadalupe would also be signed uh, in 1846 and this would officially end all um, all problems with Mexico. Uh, So moving on, we're going to go right into the gold rush because pretty much with the signing of the Treaty of Guadalupe, uh, the gold was pretty much found. So let's get right into it. So, yeah, gold would uh, initially be found by James Marshall at Sutter's Mill in Coloma, California, uh, which is 30 minutes outside of Sacramento in 1848. Now, 300,000 people would eventually come to California during this time period, 1848 to 1855. That's generally what they call uh, the official gold rush. Although there was some gold uh, being found as far back in uh, 1842 at the, uh, I think it's called the Placer. Plis- The Placita Canyon in Southern California by a resident by the name of... Ooh... I can't find the name right now but we'll get to it in a second but it was found as early as 1842 but initially it didn't bring a big rush like that it really wasn't you know capitalized upon and eventually uh, the gold deposits in, in uh, Southern California really weren't that rich as they were in Sacramento and those areas up north so uh, that, that that was another reason why it really wasn't uh, keen keen in on at that point point. Uh, and this population growth will come from of course the US the some more US immigrants uh, mostly coming from the Midwest and also some coming from the East Coast, and also from abroad, Uh, countries uh, in Latin America, outside of Mexico, also you have Europe, Australia, and uh, also including Australia, and then you also had some that would come from China. A big population, of people actually that would come from China. Now, uh, San Francisco itself, uh, one of being one of the major players in this history of California, which we will get to later on. Uh, it grew from a city, of basically a town, actually of two hundred people in 1846, and it exploded to a population of 36,000 by 1852. And this is already after a fire or two uh, that ravaged the city. So you already see uh, just some uh, the type of, of booming that's population booming that's going. Known in this general area not including and that's not even including the state yet uh now john sutter of course will be disappointed and i'll get to some of uh to, well, some more reasons to why he he would become disappointed about the discovery of gold, but initially uh, he was very disappointed because uh, he intended California, or at least, at least his specific area of California, which like I said before, uh, which was a little bit outside. Actually, uh, uh, his fort was a little bit in, outside, um, maybe even in, in, even inside the city limits, actually of Sacramento, uh, modern day Sacramento. So he actually dis- he wanted an agricultural center basically in the western well basically where he was at a big time agricultural empire that's what he had in mind he figured gold would take that and, and switch that into something else and drive california in a different direction and that's pretty much what happened he was right about that uh, but we'll get into more about uh, the miners and the prospectors a little bit later and why he was he did not like them as well now sf news publisher and also merchant samuel brannan uh first published the discover the first published the discovery uh in march of 1848 and this would he also opened up a shop for prospectors and when i say he first published it uh meaning he put out a uh a, basically a national publication a national uh at least a, a newspaper or something in print uh meaning that, that they could travel via pony express or what have you now by august of the same year uh, the discovery would reach uh, the east coast like i said uh, now it will first be reported by the new york herald now many east coast prospectors would sail to california as opposed to traveling overland why i kind of don't know Uh, but they would sail around south america and this will usually take five months i'm thinking it might there I'm thinking it takes a little bit less It would have taken a little bit of less a little bit less time excuse me uh Others will sail through the Atlantic uh through Panama pretty much and travel through the jungles of Central America till they reach the Pacific and then they will also take another ship to San Francisco. That seems to be oh, overtly complicated as opposed to just certain immigrants and not being with the e because they're coming from a different part of the mainland u s however, you know. Being that it is Indian land, you could still say that they're completely foreign immigrants, just being honest being honest uh but immigrants also uh traveled the california trail going overland uh now gold and settlements were found uh far north in far northern california uh in this in the territory in the t- uh, counties and towns uh that made up Sisi, uh, Siskiyou uh counties shasta counties and trinity counties of today including the town of eureka Yreka. excuse me in 1850, uh 1851 uh like i said gold was originally found in southern california like i said at the plot uh Placinita canyon in southern california uh by francisco lopez yes and this was 35 minutes i'm sorry 35 miles outside of la now all gold fields were pretty much found uh outside of mexican land grant areas which made it easier, at least in the beginning for prospectors because because they weren't necessarily infringing on anybody's land there were no disputes there uh, at least amongst the, you know, at least amongst the California residents, of course, there were uh, frequent problems with the miners all the time with claim staking and then eventually claim jumping. Now, claim staking, Claim staking pretty pretty much means you're choosing an area to mine, and that area was only uh, was pretty much uh, only protected as long as you were working on that area. The minute the minute you stopped working, the minute you moved to another place or whatever, you ceased operation. Somebody else could then jump your claim, aka claim jumping, and pretty much start working there. So it was that part was a little bit complicated. But again, uh, the original re- residents, the Californios, still had some protections at this point in time. Now, uh, real quick here, we're going to get into some of the lasting impacts here uh, with the Gold Rush. Now, the Gold Rush uh, kickstarted pretty much a lot of economies around the world, which I did not know. Uh, Chilean, Australian, and also uh, Hawaiian farmers also had new food markets with the big uh, the big population growth going on in the not only California, but the rest of the Western states. For example, in 1850, uh, Chile exported 277,000 tons of grain and also 221,000 tons of flour to California. And that's just in 1850. The British would also send manufactured goods and also uh, China sent clothes and prefabricated houses. So again, there's a trade system being uh, you know set up california and the west coast in general is becoming a part in the world market and then also california uh also raised the prices of goods throughout the world and also created jobs so that that is some positive things to talk about there or at least you know, in the beginning, uh, we're going to go a little bit deeper. I'm going to take a quick break, but we are going to go a little bit deeper because there is a dark side to all of this. Uh, but we're going to wrap up this first part here uh, with the race relations and pretty much the lawlessness that went on in the Western frontier. That is California. And that includes not only on Native Americans, but also foreign immigrants as well, uh, not from the U.S. And also we're going to get into the violent crime, like I said, and also some gang activity. Yes, even in the 1849 or 1849. Era. Yes, you had some gangsters, and you, we we're going to talk about vigilantism. Yes, the original Batman and Batwoman, and then finally in part two, we're going to basically just start talking about California statehood, how that came to be, a little bit, a little bit of the background on that, and then we're going to wrap everything up with uh, the rise of San Francisco. Like I said, this is a uh, San Francisco and the San Francisco Bay Area uh, for a long period of time uh, you could have actually maybe even name san francisco the capital of this state because of this what's what's going on here what's happened here and just the history we're going to get into all that to uh, so wrap everything up in this episode but for now we're going to take a quick break i'll be right back y'all all right y'all i am back and like i said before i went to break um there was a lot of uh of agitation placed upon, upon the new white settlements against uh, the native population here. Uh, now you can call them immigrants with an E, uh, immigrants with an I, it really doesn't matter, uh, But uh let's just go let's just start with this. Now American immigrants would come uh basically when it either through mining or when they were settling the land, uh they began to drive these Native Americans from their origi- their original hunting grants, their original uh food gathering spots, uh, norm- uh normally by force but through by sheer uh them just hunting off their wildlife or killing off their wildlife or just disrupting uh their just normal routine and normal cycle. Uh these natives were forced to find Find refuge in other areas. Uh, this would go even more rampant when gold fields uh, will become hard to find during uh, the gold rush. Uh, now skirmishes would start uh, a lot of times because Amer- uh, the native, the true Native Americans were. Uh, you know really uh caught between a rock and a hard place again they did not have access to uh any real hunting grounds again uh their fishing even their fishing and watering supply were being poisoned now uh by the pollution from the miners and what they were doing Uh, eventually uh with the placer mining well even even with the actual drilling and that the actual prospecting and then also with the water uh pressurized water cannons just destroying mountains destroying mountain sides uh that all was all getting and affecting the water supply and the fish as well. So a lot of these skirmishes uh, would just be provoked. I mean, on the surface, you know, and and in the beginning when you're uh, rallying a, uh, a settling, you know, culture or settling people, uh, into, uh, maintaining those whole, you know, those homesteads in this new, in this new area, this new territory, uh, you're going to rally them behind, you know, uh, what they, what they would see to be perceived to be hostility between these, uh, I guess you would call the they would refer to them as savages, but in all reality, these natives were simply uh trying to uh defend where they had already been for thousands of years. Not just they immigrated here because they found about some gold. So again, these are you can and I think whether or not you want to call them immigrants with an e, immigrants with an I, when I'm referring to these American settlers. Uh, let's keep the word immigrant out there so we understand. Uh, because because today we're referring to immigrants as as these negative people who are taking jobs, they're taking jobs away from people. uh, They're bringing drugs. Well, were they that much different in 1849 when they were, the, the when they were obviously destroying whole uh hunting fields and whole of uh, rivers for native americans was well, is it the same is it is the same thing then uh, of course you'll have the modern the modern uh conservative tell you now uh well this is just history this is just you know but why you know is this same precedent same precedent not established why why was it okay for you guys as immigrants to kill off native populations uh but in in this modern era era uh, uh, immigrants cannot come to this country simply and go to school or to maintain employment. That's very, very, um, you know, short-sighted to me. But uh, let's get into more of, uh, to what was going on. Like I said, a lot of these issues would start off with some Indian raids. And, of course, you could, uh, of course, the propaganda at the time was to make these uh, these raids uh, very serious, very um damaging to any white life of course and so this would lead to a like i said a rallying cl- a cry uh simple skirmishes would end up to be all-out massacres because of course uh, the native, you know, the native tribes would, of course, they would initiate some attacks every now and again, but they were just out, really outnumbered. Uh, out. Uh, they did not have any. They, a lot of them did not have uh the weaponry, the equipment to fight these battles, and so it'll be a, a all-out slaughter, and many, tr- and many just villages would end up being wiped out in one massacre. Now there was over three hundred and seventy uh th- seventy of these such massacres, and uh miners and and uh settlers, immigrants. To keep that let's keep that same energy immigrants would kill up to 50 natives or more in a day during this period of time uh now uh 9,000 to f- a six 9,400 to 16,000 uh native americans were killed between 1846 and 1875 by immigrants by immigrants that's what that's what we need to start telling in the history books. Uh by eighteen ninety, the native population will fall below twenty thousand. Wow. Wow, I can see why uh the US doesn't like immigrants. That's that's the type of stuff immigrants do. That's the real type of stuff immigrants do. I don't know about my friend. I don't know about all what y'all been trying to tell us in the in the media the past 20, 30 years. This is this is what the original immigrants in this country were doing. This the native population fell below 20,000, 20,000 by 1890. Let that sink in. Now, this was a population uh, that was stated to be uh, between 100,000 and 300,000. I personally think just because the peoples were so spread out and because the geography was so different across the state, it was hard to keep a real number and keep a real grasp on what was going on. So I think the number could be a little bit higher than that, maybe even a half a million just because of the number of uh, massacres and the number of people you were left with. I think we're dealing with a really uh, massive uh, genocide here again uh, this word has been brought up about this period of time uh, in very uh, very small uh, historical circles Uh, but we're gonna start getting into more of of why that is now California's government would also fail to ratify treaties uh, with different tribes throughout the 1850s as well Uh, so they pretty much did not as far as I know I didn't really find any real that I could. But there's probably definitely reservations, uh, but there's nothing really, uh, you know, that I could find by any agreement between the the U.S. government or California government with any trials. I could not find any agreement, any written agreement, uh, to to stop the killing or to stop any of the violence, uh, any hostilities. Uh, now another another thing that we have to take into account here, and this is just another um, another fact here take with it what you will. California would also invest over $1 million into developing paramilitary death squads to battle tribes. Uh, And this was a quote that was very interesting. Uh, You'll hear hear this term a lot, or you'll hear this quote uh, probably said a lot with any reference of this situation at this period of time in California history, but this is coming from the first governor, uh, Peter Burnett. He went on to say, a war with extermination will continue to be Wage between the two races until the Indian uh becomes uh non uh, i'm sorry sorry Until uh, the Indian race becomes extinct uh this must be expected while we uh cannot anticipate the result with painful regret. the inevitable destiny of the race is beyond the power and wisdom of man to uh of man to avert. So basically what they're telling you is we're going to kill these people off because we want to. I'm sorry. That's what that translates to me. Uh, to me, I do not see that. I don't see the immigrants of today doing that. So sorry, I don't see the same. I don't see the same uh threat, Mr. Donald Trump. Again, if we go back and pull your historical card, we'll see more of y'all uh being the terrorist and y'all pulling that with your immigration. That's what y'all did. Uh, and this is something this is uh, beyond just uh, uh, immigrants coming in. This is the actual state government on April 22nd, 1850. The California legislature passed the Act for the Government and Protection of Indians. This allowed immigrants to capture and use natives like slaves uh, to and also, it disallowed testimony against whites uh, that were brought by natives, and it also allowed whites to take their kids. And I'm going to say whites because, let's keep it real here, uh, possibly the Californios, meaning those who uh, were Hispanic in their heritage, might have had those privileges. Uh, but we know for a fact there wasn't a large black population to take advantage of this, and I'm pretty sure they would not allow uh I'm saying because the racial aspect would just be uh prevalent at that point, and this does show up for black Americans they just haven't shown up in California yet, so not at least not yet chronologically in a large in a large population, but we're gonna get to uh blacks and their experience in this state uh in a second but uh just to show you the 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 majority anglo uh population at this time uh was very anti indian uh, or Native American, they referred to them as Indians at this time, it was very anti uh Native American, and it was very violent towards them um and This is the cold part about it um just historically and based on just interactions the the what the tribes in this area were some of the more peaceful tribes. Throughout the Western frontier, we're not talking about the Comanches or the Apaches going to sit there and rage you every two or three days just because, and they ha- actually have a military hierarchy and a structure, and they're constantly battling you on the planes. No, these were tribes that stayed out of your way. They stayed out of each other's way, unless it was to do some type of commerce, and they generally lived within peace. And you would hear accounts, there's accounts uh, such as uh, Round Valley in northern, far northern California where you had... Uh, you had these immigrants I'm gonna keep saying the word immigrant so you get the you you get what word the, the term here there's immigrants you got these white immigrants uh sometimes they were before, before they were Russian because the Russians originally had a fort up there as well outside of Fort Ross, but then you also had other immigrants coming from the interior of the United States. They will come to this area of round valley and there's accounts of them just shooting into the woods, into the forest, just shooting at anything that they could see or hear nearby. This is what's going on. This was what's going on at this time. You also had the Mendocino War. Uh, I don't know the exact dates and where it started, per se, but it was in what is now modern-day Mendocino here in Northern California as well. Uh, But pretty much you would just have uh, these settlers going. They will call it war with these Indians, but in reality, they were going to their villages and just specifically wiping people out they were killing people there were, might have been small skirmishes between the indians that may have had guns and the and you know and some of the you know the 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 miners and the settlers that had guns but for the most part these indians were ill-equipped or really had no uh equipment uh to fight these guys and they were slaughtered let's get it let's get it right they were slaughtered by these new arrivals okay They didn't, they didn't have to compete with jobs with them. No, they weren't. They didn't have to compete in jobs. They didn't have to worry about them going to school with them. No, they were completely slaughtered. This is immigration before we got some real regulation. Now that we, now that everything's established, now we want to tell and dictate to this group of people what to do, that group of people, when they could come and why they shouldn't come here. But when, when, when it was, when it was reversed and it was an american thing to do they can just come over here and snatch the land up and kill whoever was here for whatever reason this is not this is not to this is not to vilify anybody no i'm going this is this 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 is a disclaimer this is not to vilify this is just what happened and this is what and and as a person who's watched the media, has watched some of the mainstream media, not necessarily internalized it or believed all of it, but has seen uh, ICE come to his school to pick up who they perceive to be illegal immigrants. I'm looking at an example of illegal immigrants here in our own history, in our own backyard, when they're killing an entire Native population and they have a state to back them up to do it this is what i'm talking about here and they were they were protected by even their first governor of the state so okay and this and this uh discrimination was not just uh, restricted or just placed upon the natives, this was also uh, placed on foreigners in in general, the California state legislature taxed foreign miners twenty dollars per month, which would be equivalent in today 's money a uh, six hundred dollars a month, and they place it on all mostly chinese Latin American and European miners. American miners would also attack these groups specifically the chinese uh, the greaser act aka the anti vagrancy act uh, Section uh, sorry of 1855 basically allowed uh the incarceration and the f- enforced labor of uh of, who, of, of newly mexican immigrants not californios not established citizens it was it was kind of murky but again you starting to see uh how the the establishment decided to put the native mexicans meaning the californios against the ones that were immigrating here so they would allow uh these well they, yes they would even allow the owners of these farms the prominent uh you know californians to get in on the act and pretty much uh incarcerate their uh, you could say their immigrant brethren from latin america um and because he was quote unquote a vagrant or a drunkard or they could do it to a woman under the premise that she was a prostitute they were logging people up and forcing them to manual labor for a period of up to 90 days Chinese immigrants were also forced into ghettos, uh, because of their, because originally, uh, they had arrived, uh, right after the Taiping rebellion, uh, in, uh, China, which was pretty much a civil war, uh, they pretty much were, uh, they pretty much fought each other a lot and were, uh, at the, well, they were pretty much attacked and egged on in their own violence by the white settlers who were, you know, the white settlers there. So, uh, this was not a real, uh, friendly place for a lot of different people. Uh we're going to uh break another section down here. Uh now violent crime, uh, of course, this was, you know, this was the western frontier. Uh crime was all over the place, you know, uh starting with the, you know, exploitation of these other um These other races starting with the Chinese and uh, the natives and then also, uh, like I said, the uh, immigrant, you know, Latin American population. So it started there. Uh, But of course, of course, like if any anywhere else on the Western frontier, you have uh, the the old Wild Wild West mentality. You did have saloons and bars and all that. Uh, But even in California, uh, violent crime uh, was on the rise, especially in the 1850s. You had the development of gangs and uh, actually crime syndicates. Uh, Believe it or not, uh, just like on the East Coast, uh, more so in New York. Uh, now, uh, breaking it down, one of the biggest gains at the time, uh, existed in San Francisco and they were referred, they were called the Sydney ducks because they came from Australia, Sydney, Australia to be exact. And these were, and they were actually from Ireland. They were, they were from Irish descent. They had moved to Australia because of the great, uh, potato famine, which occurred a few years, uh, right before the gold rush as well. Now, many were already, uh, Well, they were from the British penal colonies of Australia. So they were already known established criminals. Now they were also known for arsony and it says they were also responsible for uh, the fire in 1849 in San Francisco. So this is right after the gold rush. So uh, they were no, you know nothing to be fucked with this was they, they were pretty much uh the big bad the four corners gang or whatever you call the gang in uh gangs in new york they had the same type of situation going on in san francisco now the gang itself consisted of sailors bartenders domestic servants uh and saloon keeps also prostitutes as well so pretty much uh consisted of the who's who of the working classes of the working class of san francisco pretty much that's what was going on there sailing shipping uh you had saloons and all that so that pretty much much runs in line with what was going on uh, in the city at that time. Now, here comes the vigilantism. Now, the this, this SF Committee or the San Francisco Committee of Vigilance uh, formed originally 1851 to pretty much fight the Sydney Ducks, uh, Ducks uh, because now two years before beforehand in 1849, of course, they were responsible for the that that devastating fire in the city now their first act was pretty much hanging john jenkins uh from sydney australia i'm going to just predict i'm going to take a guess and say that was one of the members of the gang they also uh deported 14 australians i'm going to put that on them being in that gang as well they uh had there's a lot of similarities between uh the two groups as well uh the group itself the vigilant group itself uh at least the san francisco vigilante group like i said uh they policed the city they also carried out investigations on ships or boarding houses again because they were wrangling pretty much wrangling up who was ever in that gang Uh, like i said they hang they hung up another four people Uh, like i said they would uh they would deport fourteen people as well. They would also grow. By the time eight by the time eighteen fifty six rolled around, they had grew to six thousand. Uh they would also fight for political uh power as well. They'd be actually become they would become a political party uh eventually before f- or forming with the Republicans. So they not only, you know, you had uh developing, you know, street, you know, kind of warfare between the two different factions, you also see uh San Francisco developing its own political powerhouse, its own political structure. Uh, and this is going to be my segue into the next step of California's development, which is becoming a state and then also development of San Francisco itself as that big time city. So for right now, we're going to take another quick break. And when I come back, we're going to wrap everything up. Like I said, with California becoming a state, a state, uh, part of union, and also San Francisco becoming the powerhouse that you see today. So I'll be right back, y'all. All right. All right, now we are back. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about how uh, California became a state. Now, California state const California state constitution was originally uh, ratified on November the thirteenth. Eighteen forty-nine by forty-eight, uh, forty-eight delegates from throughout the state. Uh, this included original California, so those of Hispanic descent, and also uh, the white settlers as well. Uh, this, uh, this occurred at the first state capital of Pueblo de San Jose. Uh, they would eventually set up a provisional government with governors, senators, etc. Uh, John C. Fremont, who we already know from episode three, uh, who was a part of that original Mexican-American War, will serve as one of its first uh, the state's first congressman uh, a state government will be installed on September the 9th 1850 when California was of course observed absorbed uh, with the Union into the Union in 1850 with the compromise of 1850 now the compromise pretty much uh, outlawed slavery in California and the west of the western states uh, slavery will be outlawed in California state constitution as well with article 1 section 18 uh, another good thing about this was it gave women some rights as well women in wives could also attain property uh as according to article article 11 section 14 so they were a little bit ahead of their time uh in certain things but of course they were uh vehemently anti-foreign immigrant and anti-native so let's not give them too much okay just wanted to throw that out there uh, now we're gonna break down uh, the the arrival of San Francisco on not only the national scene, uh, but pretty much on an international scale as well. Now SF will become the main point of entry uh, and home uh, for the U.S. Customs on the West Coast. Uh, now being the uh, meaning uh, the main point of entry was this is pretty much uh, the first established uh, port was here. Uh, I believe San Pedro was developed uh, somewhere along uh, or San Diego was developed somewhere along the lines of the, the late 1800s i'm guessing now uh maybe at the start of world war one uh but for the very for a very long time san francisco was the main way to get into this state uh pretty much and again like i said the u.s u.s uh, customs were here uh, they pretty much taxed all goods uh, all foreign goods that were brought here by ship uh now sf grew as a port uh, from, uh Well, basically, it would bring in a small number of ships a year, uh, about eight, uh, from 25 in 1825. That number would grow from 793 in 1847, and by the time 1850 rolled around, they were bringing in about they're bringing in over 800 ships a year. Now this is uh this is when SF started to develop the piers and the wharfs you you're commonly hearing about today like Pier 39, Pier all that, Pier whatever. you also got Fisherman's Wharf on the rise. Then this is when all that stuff was established. Uh, again, San Francisco was a big maritime area. Uh, this this was uh, again, even from the beginning. Um, again, you had the Russians with Fort Modega Bay. Uh, the Spanish had uh, pretty much had um, some type of maritime commerce going uh, with the trade of their, um, well, with the trade of the of the the cow hides from the ranchos, uh, as well as fur trading. Uh, f- with the russians and all that Uh, they also traded other goods as well so san francisco itself was pretty much on the tr- on the track of becoming uh developed but the gold rush pretty much fast tracked it and just uh, blew it up over time like i said uh, it grew from 200 and th- a town of 218 46 to thirty six thousand in about 1852 so yeah that that population growth was uh scary uh now also like i said the added wharfs and piers uh pretty much were allowed for parking the ships so they can be taxed and inspected so on and so forth uh settlers will come to sf and also take another ship usually to get to sacramento or other parts of the state uh, like i said this was the main entry point uh, san francisco uh, and the, mean, the reason why i say uh san, uh san francisco probably uh would have a claim to be a state capital uh maybe outside of los angeles if it sacramento wasn't it or maybe even san jose was because this is originally where everything uh you can basically say everything popped off uh this was pretty much one of the original uh cities at least in northern california of course, uh the Spanish initially started their uh their we could call it their mission system in San Diego, but when we're talking economics and actually a, a, a quote unquote city and, and something to build on from there, that pretty much started with Yerba Buena that became uh which was what would become San Francisco after the US uh pretty much conquered it in the, the US Mexican American War. Uh the US I'm sorry, the, the US and Mexican War. Uh so Uh, with that being said, you know Sacramento. Uh, the area that will become Sacramento, pretty much along uh John Sutter's Fort, uh that. You know that will become you know populated and become a popular area later on uh basically through the traffic uh that you know resulted from these new uh steamer ships that the u.s decided to implement that was some new technology uh at at, at one point you had pretty much uh large wooden ships uh traveling good uh you know allowing passengers and cargo and all that now we started to move into steel ships steamers we were going by steam power uh you know we're, de- we're developing the technology and a lot of that was done in san francisco again like i was saying before uh los angeles itself really did not really hit its population boom until almost pretty much 1900 1890s uh was when, it's when it started to be i believe it was even incorporated as a city so it has a, a california certain area i mean as a as a whole has a slow burn um and for la's for what it's worth la had developed super quickly since that time it's probably one of the fast developing last uh last fast really fast developing major city i've seen maybe with the exception of macau and those places in china uh but it was a it's a very fast it was bit it was, was a very fast growing city same thing with san francisco and a lot to do uh, had a lot to do with the commerce uh that was being brought and, and all that to shipping uh more so in, Cal- in in san francisco uh now before the gold War san francisco would also link up with congress to set up the pacific mail uh, mail steamship company which held passenger Cargo and mail routes from California, Oregon, Panama, and also Nicaragua, which connected to uh, New Orleans and then eventually the rest of the East Coast. So again, California, uh, by way of San Francisco, was already connecting to the Eastern Con- United States and also the various points uh, ports throughout the world. Now, for we're gonna for not for t- for now we're gonna call it a wrap uh, for part four. Uh, part five we're gonna get a little bit deeper. Of course, uh, we will be talking about the transcontinental railroad uh, that. Uh, brings in more immigration more of a flux of uh, immigration we're going to talk a little bit about the chinese experience we brought it up a little bit uh here uh we just brought i just brought you guys some background information a lot of the anti- chinese laws or a lot of the uh, anti- chinese sentiment came a little bit late, later in california's history so we're going to follow everything chronologically. Uh, Chronologically, There's also a black town in California that I wanted to break down as well. So we're going to be talking about that in my next episode. Like I said, the transcontinental uh, railroad and as well uh, on top of that, uh, California's role in the civil war on top, uh, on every, on top of everything else. So uh, for now, this has been part four of my Calif- history of California immigration series, the Golden State issue. This is your man, L. Jamal signing out for tonight. If anybody hasn't told you, I love you. Y'all have a good time. Peace out one love I'll check you guys later all right now